Welcome to the Air It Out podcast. I am your host, per usual, Lucas Shu. Uh, today we're talking about a couple things. Uh, the NFL Top 100 came out. If you don't know what that is or haven't seen it or never heard of it all, it is when the NFL players vote on who is the best player and players in the NFL. And I believe they gave a sheet from like 120. They all vote, and the only players I believe who do this. So it turned out to be a mess. It turned out to be a complete crap show because players are all over the place and they're ranking guys in uh, absurd places they shouldn't be, and it's a complete shit show. So inherently, I'm going to turn this into content because nothing else going on in the NFL right now. We're going to talk about guys who are a little too high, a little too low, and then we're going to talk about COVID and how it's going to affect the possible NFL season if that season even happens. Uh, we're just going to get into it right away. We're talking about players who are too high. First one up is uh, Frank Clark at number 95. Um, people loved Frank Clark when he was in Seattle, and rightly so. He dominated in Seattle. He was really, really, really good. He was probably the only good edge rusher in Seattle when he was there. And then, I believe last season, he ended up in Kansas City. And people were really excited about him in Kansas City. He's going to be a good player for them. Pair him alongside Chris Jones. Because uh, Kansas City just off D4, so they're... I got Frank Clark to help uh, mitigate the problem of not having D Ford anymore. And instead of Frank Clark being this game guy he was in Seattle, he turned out to be the complete opposite. He was uh, nobody on defense for almost the entire season. He was okay on run defense for most of the season. He was not near the pass rushing presence he was in Seattle for whatever reason. And he just wasn't good. I think NFL players still loved him and still thought he was a great player because they thought that, saw that one season that he had in Seattle where he dominated. And he looked okay in the playoffs. Then he, he had the two sacks game, whatever it was, I think in that conference championship game. Uh, but he wasn't, he's not a top 100 player. Maybe you can convince me to top 150, but after last season, he was not that at all. Baker just isn't the player that everybody thinks he is. I know a lot of people love him because of his time in Seattle. I get it. But he is not that guy. Clearly not that guy. Number two, uh, not number two ranking-wise, but the next guy we have up on here is number 32, Shaquille Barrett. This man led the league in sacks, I believe, last year. He was up there in sacks. He was first or second. He was him and Chandler Jones. Uh, led the league in sacks. He was in incredible production numbers while in Tampa Bay. But 32 is way too high for Shaq Barrett. Yeah, I get he had a lot of sacks. I get all this stuff. I get he all be hits and all this stuff. But a lot of the sacks he had last season weren't sacks where he is beating the offensive tackle the outside or inside and it wasn't beating him quick either. He was, when he did beat the offensive tackle, he was getting to the QB because the QB was either in the pocket for too long, he got flushed out of the pocket, uh, coverage just completely clamped down on the whoever they're playing. They'd really good defense that way. It wasn't like Barrett was dominating the offensive tackles. He wasn't like he didn't have incredible moves. He wasn't beating on athleticism. He did good, but he's not 32 good. He's not near that level. He had a good season last year, but he didn't have the season to quality of 32. He had a lot of cleanup sacks, a lot of sacks that weren't based off him dominating. They were based off a breakdown, whatever you want to call it, a breakdown in uh, pass protection from another side of the line, a bad way QB, a QB staying in the pocket too long, a QB getting flushed out of the pocket, and Shaq Barrett being there, being there to clean it up. It was that kind of thing. It wasn't Shaq Barrett completely dominating the NFL like a lot of people think he was. It was just him being in the right place at the right spot, basically. Uh, number 35, we got Minka Fitzpatrick. I've been lower at Minka Fitzpatrick than most people have been through last season, I guess. I He gets compared a lot to uh, Derwin James, Jamal Adams... Uh, a lot of younger safeties in the NFL because I think he's young safety. I think it's like his second year in the NFL, second, third year in the NFL. So rightly so, he's going to be compared to those guys. But I don't think he's better than either of them, personally. Don't, don't take it from last year. I think last year he was really good. He had his best season last year. He even played incredible for Pittsburgh. He played incredible. But I don't think he's better than Derwin in the fact that Derwin has so much position versatility. You can line him in the box. You can line him up deep. You can line him up over in the, in the slot. You can line him up in your line of scrimmage. 
You can line them up anywhere you want in the field, and you're going to get quality play out of Derwin. And you then have the ability of Jamal Adams, where Jamal Adams can dominate in the box and completely shut down people in the box and uh, be a great slot presence or be a, basically be a edge rusher for whoever he plays on. Now it would be a Seattle, maybe a dominant edge rusher, even though he's like weighs like 190 pounds or 95 pounds, or he could be a, a nice deep safety. Minka Fitzpatrick does not have the positional versatility that those guys do. Well, he is a great safety. Didn't take anything away from Minka. I think he's a great deep safety. I think he's a great safety overall. I think he could end up being one of the better safeties in the league when he hits his prime. He hits his stride and he's developed and ready to go. But I don't think he's better than Derwin James and Jamal Adams. And I don't think he's uh, the 35th, 35th best player in the NFL right now. I mean, he got put ahead of guys like uh, Jalen Ramsey, uh, Nick Chubb, who's really, really, really good. Uh, Tyron Matthew, Evan Kamara, J.J. Watt. He got put ahead of those guys. Those are better than him right now. It just, I'm not saying he shouldn't be a top 100 player because I think he had a really good season last year. I'm just saying, don't put him at 35 yet. He definitely has potential to hit that mark. He's shown a lot of great play, but I don't think he's at that mark yet. Uh, number 41, we got Jadavian Clowney. I've been a lot lower on Jadavian Clowney as well. I think he's he has a lot of flash to his game because he's an incredible athlete. He's probably one of the best athletes in the NFL right now. I mean, the dude's a freak of nature. You could look stopping him when he's bull rushing you. He's so big and so strong and so powerful in his lower legs and his body. He's a, he's a menace. Absolute menace. But the problem with that is you don't see that very often. You don't see him just dominating dudes and just bull rushing them and knocking them on their behinds because he just lacks technical refinement. Yeah, there's obviously the plays where you go, oh my goodness, what in the world is that? Who is that guy? Because he just drills somebody in the chest and knocks them backwards and on their, out of the way and sacks QB. There's plenty of those times. I should say plenty, because honestly, there's not enough, to be honest. He is a physical freak of nature, but there's no technical refinement, like I said. And you can he kind of got away with that in the run game, where he's an excellent run, excellent run defender. One of the better run defenders in the NFL, because he's so strong and so big and so fast. He can, is able to uh, be an excellent underfender. He can shove block pretty quickly. He's a big, strong dude. He's not gonna, you're not gonna break tackles off him. He's just a really sound run defender. But when it comes to technical side of pass rushing, he doesn't have it. He has the extreme athleticism that you see with a lot of guys coming into the NFL from the college rankings. I say he's not that young, but he's on the younger side of things. But you, you look at guys like who. Rosh Gary, for example, who's an incredible athlete, but doesn't have the technical refinement yet. Or Caleb uh, Chason out of LSU this past year, who's I think a little better than Gary was, but he's a more he's more the athlete than he is a technical, refined player. And that's fine. The guys are young guys, and Jamie Collins is still somewhat young. But where he struggles is the pass rushing aspect and the technical refinement aspect and all these kind of moves. He doesn't have that, and why so he struggles in the pass rushing. He did good last year for the Seahawks. But he's wanting now. He now he's wanting money like in top, like the number one edge rusher money, and I don't think he's worth that. He's not that kind of guy. And if we put him at forty-one above other edge rushers like uh, J.J. Watt, who's better than him, I think, or uh, Tadarius Smith, who I think showed that he's better than him even last year, or all these other guys. I think uh, Miles Garrett was below him. Yeah, Miles Garrett at eighty was below him. Even Miles Garrett was better than him last year. <laughs> if he played a full season, it would have been definitely better than him last year based on production too. But he gets suspended, obviously. Preston Smith is high on there, too. I mean, he's not better than these guys, but he's being put up there because he looks better. He has the body type. He has the freakishness. He has the freak plays, all that kind of stuff to make it look where, oh, this guy's one of the best players in the NFL. This guy's one of the best editors in the NFL. Let's rank him high. And I get it. I know NFL players are going to put out a guy in there based on traits and based on athleticism and based on or whatever they deem uh, great, I get it. They're NFL players, and they're going to prop it up as their prerogative. But when you look at the film, you look at the tape, you look at the stats, you look at the analytics, you combine it all together, you're going to see this guy's not that good. He's 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 good. I shouldn't say he's not that good. I mean, he's not level 41. Guy. He's not the 41, 41 in the uh, top 100 list. He should not be there. 
Maybe you can argue from the back end of the top 100, but you should not be at 41, without a doubt. Uh, next we got is 43, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. When I saw that, I didn't even know what to say, because I thought Jimmy... I, I knew Jimmy G would be on this list somewhere, just because of the fact that the uh, 49ers won this... Uh, nearly won the Super Bowl. I knew that happened. I was going to talk about that. But to put him at 41... Uh, 43, excuse me. That's the shocking part to me. Like, he was not that good last year. He was a solid QB last year. A solid QB. But to put him behind guys like... It makes it... Put him behind guys like Ryan Tannehill. It makes it look like... Even stupider. Ryan Tannehill had an incredible year last year. Incredible. He came in from Rutgers State. He absolutely dominated the NFL. Took over. Took over. He was untouchable when he came into the NFL. Untouchable. And it's just, it's just weird to have him above guys like that. Who just absolutely dominated the NFL. To have a guy like Jimmy G be above Dak Prescott even. I'm not a huge on Dak Prescott, but he's certainly better than Jimmy G right now. I'm not saying Jimmy G is a bad QB, but Jimmy G is not at 43. He's not that type of player. He's been insanely helped out by uh, Kyle Shanahan and his creative offenses and his uh, motion and play action and all this to help QBs out. And Jimmy G kind of just has to go through the motions almost. You know what I'm saying? It's a bad thing. You mean he's good enough to do that, so I think he's a solid QB. I think he's like a top 15 QB in that range of like average. I think he's good, not great. But to put him above guys like Dak Prescott, who was better than him for sure, and Ryan Tannehill, who absolutely dominated last year in the NFL. And if you're just going based off one season, which I'm guessing a lot of these guys are doing, or recency bias is going to come into play here, you got to give it to Tannehill then, too. Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott last year had his best season since his rookie year. Ryan Tannehill had his best season since ever. I mean, you got to give it to these guys. You clearly had a better season. Clearly a better season stats-wise. Clearly a better season... Uh, film-wise, what is there to miss here? I think Jimmy G just had the number 43 spot because the 49ers went very far in the playoffs and they did very well in the regular season, which I get it, but you got ticked out of the equation. Next up for the final one are the players who I believe are rated a little too high. We got Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry is ranked 10th on the list of the NFL Top 100 players. Ahead of guys like Julio Jones, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Chandler Jones, Aaron Rodgers, Travis Kelsey, Deshaun Watson, Tyreek Hill, Jamal Adams, Quentin Nelson, Mike Evans, Aaron Jones, Nick Chubb, Chris Godwin, the list goes on and on. I could list 20 more guys who I think it's insane to put him above. There's not even a conversation, in my opinion. And I, but before I even rip into Derrick Henry and why I think this is not, I'm Derrick Henry per se, but before I rip into any of these for this ranking of Derrick Henry number ten, I'm gonna preface this with, I understand why he's there. I get it. He had a good season last year. Not gonna say a great season, but he had a good season last year. He seemingly was the. The leader of the Titans, the Titans offense last year from a lot of players' perspectives and a lot of coaches' perspectives, I'm guessing too. He was a guy who was driving that offense and helped lead it back to lead it, not back to, just lead it to being a great offense in general. That's Marcus Mariota headed out. People thought of him as the, the great player. I mean, I get why. I'm not going to sit here and go, oh my goodness. How did Derrick Henry get this high up on uh, a list that players ranked? How, how could this have happened? This is impossible. I get it. I mean, the dude had 1,500 yards last year. He had 16 touchdowns. I mean, players are going to look at him and go, and they're just looking at his highlights and go, oh my god, this guy is the guy. This dude means business. I'm, I, mean, I get it. Players, are, players love this kind of guy. He's a running back who can just bust dudes over. Hit him with stiff arms, hit him with trucks, lower the shoulder on dudes. I mean, the dude's an absolute monster. I get it. 
But here's where I, I believe I see that. This isn't the fact that he's a running back. It's not the fact that he isn't a valuable position because this list is about who is the best player, which player is the most talented player in the NFL last season. He was insanely helped out by the fact that his offensive line absolutely mauled dudes. Mauled them. It wasn't even a competition out there. They were creating so many openings on the uh, last game for Derrick Henry. It wasn't even funny. I mean, there just there's a, a murder out there. The offensive line coach for Tennessee, whoever it is, I don't know off the top of my head, but he deserves like a raise or something because they they actually killed defensive lines last season. And they have to kill defensive lines in the playoffs, too. I mean, Derrick Henry for th- on, on, uh, against uh, New England, 182 yards and 34 attempts. Against Baltimore, 195 yards and 30 attempts. So even more yards and less attempts. I mean, they absolutely killed teams. But he's also really helped out by his offensive line. A lot of his, his offensive line. Creating massive gaps in the uh, line of scrimmage and just huge gaps in the running game for Derrick Henry to just exploit and just fly through to the next second level. I mean, he's basically nearly getting untouched when he ran through the offensive line. And then you take in the fact that his QB changed to Ryan Tannehill midway through the season. And before the season, if you would have told me that, I wouldn't have been like... If you told me that the Titans see Titans... We're switching out Ryan Tannehill. I'm switching out Marcus Mariota for Ryan Tannehill. I probably would have been like, oh, that probably means either A, Marcus Mariota got hurt and Ryan Tannehill came in. B, Marcus Mariota was doing horrible and Ryan Tannehill came in. Or something weird happened. But either way, if Ryan Tannehill came in, I was not expecting anything good to come on that. I was expecting like mediocre play at best. Just because that's who Ryan Tannehill is. He's a mediocre QB. And he didn't look good in his past couple seasons in Miami. But there was like some well, there's some light at the end of the tunnel. There's some like, oh, that was a nice throw. But week six, Tannehill entered the NF entered the uh the NFL. He's he was replaced Marcus Mayota. It wasn't a full game he was in. He came part way through the game. But week seven he eventually came in. And things changed, like, overnight for the Tennessee Titans that game. I mean, he absolutely killed everybody in his past, it seemed like. They were unstoppable for basically the rest of the season. When Ryan Tannehill came in 2019 season, the Tennessee Titans finished 7-3. I believe. I'm going to double-check this right now quick. Tennessee Titans did finish 7-3. They were a monstrous team to stop. They could not stop them. He came in in the Denver Broncos game. They lost to the Broncos 16-0. They got shut out. But after that, they beat the Chargers. Beat the Buccaneers. Lost to the Panthers barely. By 10 points. Not barely. But beat the Chiefs by 3. Beat the Jaguars by, by like 42-20. Beat the Colts. Beat the Raiders. Lost to the Texans by 3. Also, the Saints by 10, and then beat the Texans again, 35-14, before the playoffs ended, before the playoffs started. They went an absolute roll with Ryan Tannehill. He was a major, 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 major part of their success. I mean, he absolutely uh, stomped Oakland. Absolutely, absolutely stomped them. He destroyed them. Destroyed Jacksonville. And he did really, 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 really good that New Orleans game, too. Even though they lost, he looked really good. And it wasn't the fact that Ryan that Derrick Henry's bad. He's not a bad player. He's a really good running back. And I absolutely think he should be on this list. I think he should be within the top 50 of this list. I think that. But to put him at 10? 10? That's where we get a little off track here. He should, should not be number 10 on this list. Now that we got the players who I believe are too high out of the way, a little negativity out of the way, we got to talk about players who I believe are too low. Guys who should be higher than this list that are just too low in this list, in my opinion. First off, we got defensive tackle Grady Jarrett. Grady Jarrett 
defensive tackle, Atlanta Falcons. Maybe one of the better defensive tackles in the NFL. He's probably in the realm of the Kenny Clark, Fletcher Cox, Chris Jones conversation to me. Maybe he's maybe the last one you mentioned of those guys. But even if he is the last one you mentioned of those guys, who are all incredible defensive tackles, he's still really good. It's not a shade to him to say he's worse than Fletcher Cox, Chris Jones, Kenny Clark, and any of those guys. Those guys are elite-level defensive tackles, and he's another elite-level defensive tackle who's just not quite as good. Obviously, he's not Aaron Donald. Nobody's Aaron Donald. But Grady Jarrett should absolutely be higher than 91. 1,000% should be higher than 91. He's better than Jalen Smith. He's better than Josh Allen. He's better than a bunch of these dudes. And I think he doesn't get recognition because he's a decent tackle who plays out in Atlanta. When you think Atlanta, you think Julio Jones. You think Matt Ryan. You used to think Devontae Freeman. You think high-powered offense. You think Kelvin Ridley. You used to think Austin Hooper. You think all these guys. Offense, 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 offense. You used to think Kyle Shanahan and his creative offense when he was there. You always thought offense, 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 offense. You never thought about defense much in Atlanta. And if you do, you thought you'd think about like uh, Desmond Trufant when he was out there or Deion Jones right now because he's a really good linebacker. But rarely do you guys think about Grady Jarrett. But he's an incredible player. Great pass rusher, great run defender, got all the ability you want in defensive tackle. He doesn't get recognition. And clearly on this list, you got you didn't even crack the top 80. He's number 91. It's just a travesty that he's that low on some people's lists. He should be way higher. And I would assume, I would have thought that NFL players were rated him higher. Apparently not. Next up on the list, we got Brandon Brooks. Brandon Brooks barely made it into the one top 100 list. Number 98. 98 on this entire list. 98. He's behind Chris Carson, which is insanity. He's behind Frank Clark. He's behind Josh Allen. He's behind all these dudes who just should not be ahead of him. Ronnie Stanley should not be ahead of him 1,000%. A lot of these guys should not be ahead of him. But for some reason, players just didn't recognize how great Brandon Brooks was last season. Brandon, I, before I say this really, before I talk about Brandon Brooks, Quentin Nelson is going to be the best guard in the NFL. It's just a matter of time and a matter of can somebody surpass him later on in his career. But at some point, Quentin Nelson's going to... He is probably one of the best guards in the NFL right now. Last season, he wasn't. Quentin Nelson is a freak of nature. Strong, quick, extremely powerful, incredible at pulling, incredible in the run game, incredible in the pass game. He's going to knock you on your butt 9 times out of 10. He's going to stalwart you 9 times out of 10. But Brandon Brooks last season, he always has those seasons where it's like a top 5 season for a guard, a top 5 season, a top 3 season for a guard. He's always the... Uh, He's always on the outside looking in when it comes to best interior of Slemon in the NFL for a season. He's always on the inside looking out. He never can get past that hump of, wow, look at, look at that guy. He can never get past that hump. He either has an injury happen to him, he either has something happen to him, he just, uh, uh, like a bad play happen to him. Something happens to Brandon Brooks where he just can't get over the hump. He's stuck behind it. But last season, whatever reason it was, Brandon Brooks managed to actually come out and do good. And not just good, really good. The dude absolutely dominated last season for the Eagles and was probably the best player on the Eagles, period. Period. Best player on the Eagles. And you had got, and even though you had, they had guys like Jason Peters, uh, Lane Johnson, Jason Kelsey, uh, Carson Wentz, Really, 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 really good players on the Eagles. But Brandon Brooks, last season at least, was the best. Incredible hands, really good footwork, and you just, everything came together at one, at once. And it held together for the whole season, and he dominated. Absolutely dominated. He's one of the best players in the NFL last season, period. Not just on the Eagles. In the NFL. He was that good. 
Dude's a, a freak of nature. And he deserves to be way, 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 way higher in this list. But for some reason, the NFL players who basically rated him on this list didn't believe that to be true. I have, I genuinely don't know why. I mean, the guy is just an absolute freak of nature. I don't, I, I can see why some of these players can rate guys higher, rate guys lower, because some guys are flashier than others. Some guys look better doing it than others. You got guys like Derrick Henry, who was I just down. He did really good last season, but he had the stiff arm, the lower the shoulder on guys. He looked, he looked flashy last season. You got Jimmy G, who team went to the playoffs. You got guys like J.D. Clowney, who we mentioned, who uh, looks flashy doing and everything. But Brandon Brooks, for some reason, I was thought NFL players would rate him really high, top fifty for sure. But I don't, I really don't get this. Brandon Brooks is absolutely one of the best interior offensive linemen in the NFL, and it's sad that he got hurt this this offseason after having one of the best seasons of his career. It seems like that happens to him all the time. It seems like that's just Brandon Brooks not, you know. I'm not saying that's Brandon Brooks' fault because it's not 1,000% not his fault, but it seems like that just always happens to him. Where he, something good goes, something goes well for him and just flips on his head and goes, oh, well, sorry, you're out for next season. You may have had one of your best seasons, you may have had your best season in your NFL career, one of the best seasons in your NFL career, but now you're out for the season, so it doesn't matter. Feel so bad for the dude. Next up, uh, Brandon Brooks actually, he was number 99 in this list, I believe. Yeah, number 99. Number 98. Excuse me, not 99, 98. And there are two players who were before him in the top 100. Two. 98 Brandon Brooks, like I said. 99 Darren Waller, that's the guy we're talking about. We're talking about number 100. 100. Barely scratched the top 100 list. Barely scratched it. Number 100. Linebacker out of the NFC South. Levante David. I. Levante David. Is maybe one of the most unsung best linebackers in the NFL. If you want to watch insane linebacker film, if you want to look at insane analytics, if you want to do anything of any football sort with Devontae David, uh, anything, you know, something incredible, go look at Devontae David. He's got great analytics and great film, no matter where, where you look at it. He's he's the perfect mix of NFL coaches and I mean, kind of coaches, but people who watch film, loving him, people who do analytics, loving him. And the main reason is because he's incredible, incredible, incredible in coverage. He's one of the best coverage linebackers in the NFL. The only person who I could really compare to him is uh, right now from a linebacker perspective, not like a, like a boxing perspective, but it's Fred Warner probably. Fred Warner looked incredible last season for the Niners. Incredible in coverage. But Levante David, I think, is slightly better than him right now, but there's one player I was watching where he switched off one guy in the middle of the field and switched onto the other guy with insane speed. It wasn't like he lost speed on the guy and like is a cross near the middle of the field and he switched onto the other guy. It wasn't like he had to turn around, really get going again. He instantly flipped his hips, went the other direction with the other dude, and it was like nothing happened. He lost zero speed. He kept track of the other guy and it was incredible to watch. It was like a player playing Madden essentially. It's like when you're playing Madden, you're playing in the middle of the field. You switch off one guy who's coming over the middle, switch on to another guy behind you, and you're running around like you're checking their head cut off, but you're still doing well, apparently. That's like Levante David. I wrote an article about him uh, before, how he's one of the better linebackers in the NFL. We never get to talk about I told him, I, it was just a Broncos article, but a dream trade for Broncos would be Levante David, because having him in any defense, honestly, is a dream trade for anybody. He loves you to do so much, and he covers up so many mistakes... But you never get talked about. The dude is so athletic, so smooth, so smart. He makes throwing over the middle of the field, which usually is a good thing for uh, NFL players or QBs. He makes it a nightmare because of how athletic and how quickly he can shut down a window and close a window on NFL QBs. 
He can fly around the middle of the field, fly around, and just absolutely shut down anything coming over the middle. He should be absolutely way higher. He should be a top 50 player on this list. Absolutely. One of the better linebackers in the NFL. Probably one of the top three linebackers in the NFL. Top five linebackers in the NFL. Incredible. Next up we got number 62, David Bakhtiari. Again, another player who is maybe not the flashiest guy in the world. He's not like a Quentin Nelson kind of guy. He's not like a... I don't know who you want to describe, but he's not like a big guy who's going to knock you on your butt. He's not going to drive you into the dirt. He's not that kind of guy. He's a guy who is going to just stop you in your tracks and make it look clean. He is probably the best pass-blocking left tackle in the NFL today. He is so smooth on the last scrimmage. His get-off in the last scrimmage is incredible. He gets to his spot before the who uh, the edge rusher who's attacking him or trying to get around him can even get off the line of scrimmage. It's incredible. He shoots at the line of scrimmage with incredible speed and incredible jump. And like by the time you're by the time the defender is getting up and ready to attack, ready to come down at him, he's already Bakhtiari's already in the spot and already in front of him. It doesn't matter where to go. Bakhtiari is so quick, so fast, so incredible. It's hard to stop him. It's hard to even get, get around him. He is so quick. It makes him it makes him so good. And he has great hand usage too. Great footwork. And it's hard to get around him even if he doesn't get a good jump. But when he gets that good jump and is in front of you instantly before you can even do anything, it's 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 a beauty to watch. The beauty to watch. And you pair that with great hand usage. Really good footwork. Pair that with really smart intelligence. Pair that with pocket awareness. And you just like, how do you stop that? He's one of the best offensive tackles in the NFL and probably the best pass blocking offensive tackle in the NFL. Yeah, I know people are going to say Ronnie Stanley from the Ravens, but Ronnie Stanley had the benefit of playing in a play action heavy offense where they ran an incredible amount of play action essentially, obviously. And they had benefit of playing Lamar Jackson, who. Teams aren't really willing to let their ad rushers pin their ear back and fly down the field that uh, the offensive tackles on the Ravens because one wrong step going to the outside, Lamar Jackson is going to bust it through the middle and take off on you. The teams aren't, are wary about that. And plus, they do so much play action that the fact that you, play, you can get right into a guy's chest immediately. And if he doesn't do play action, you can take a half second up that guy's get off because he's so worried about the play action back of his head. He's in a, his system helps him so much, protects him so much, that he, he gets a little bit of an easier job than a lot of offensive tackles do. Almost any offensive tackle does. But David Bakhtiari is the best pass-blocking offensive tackle in the NFL right now, without a doubt in my mind. Besides one other guy, who we'll get to later. Next up is the 11th ranked player on this list. It's Julio Jones. Now, you may be asking yourself, isn't 11 really high? Isn't that a really good ranking? But yes and no. It's, of course it's really high, but he is the best wide receiver in the NFL to me. The best. No matter what you want to do, he can just do it and dominate at it. But he wasn't the number one receiver on this list, according to NFL players. He was number three. Julio Jones is number three, third best receiver, ranked number 11. Number eight was DeAndre Hopkins, second best receiver on this list. And number five, the best receiver on this list, according to the NFL 100, Michael Thomas. Now, I'm a guy who usually doesn't hate Michael Thomas because I believe he's a really good talent in the NFL. And I believe he's a talented receiver. And I believe he's one of the best receivers in the NFL by far. And he gets a lot of hate because he complains a lot and he talks a lot on Twitter and all this kind of stuff. I get I get why he gets a lot of hate. But he's still one better player in the NFL to me. Is he the number one receiver in the NFL? No. He's not better than Hopkins and he's not better than Julio Jones for sure. He should be he should be a third on the list, not first on this list. And Julio Jones should be number one on this list, absolutely. There's nothing you can't he can't do really. He can win underneath, he can win in the middle, he can win deep, he can dominate after the catch. He's just one of the the best players in the NFL. There's not really much to say about Julio Jones. He's 
Everybody knows who he is, and he should be absolutely higher on this list. To put him below Michael Thomas is insane to me. And I like Michael Thomas. I think Michael Thomas is a really good receiver. I think he's a bad rap. But, he's not better than Julio. Definitely not better than Julio. Definitely not better than DeAndre Hopkins. Julio Jones is the best of the NFL. Freak of nature, athletically, can track deep balls, great hands, great after the catch. He just, he's got everything you want in a receiver. He's a perfect He's a perfect receiver. And he's big. He's everything you want. Next up, we got Patrick Mahomes. Now, Patrick Mahomes is ranked number four on this list. And he's not even better than... He's even the best QB on this list. Not even the second best QB on this list. He's the third best QB in this list. Just let that sink in. He is not the second best QB on this list. He is the third best QB on this list. Ahead of him are Russell Wilson at number two and Lamar Jackson at number one. Now Lamar Jackson... I'm not going to argue Lamar Jackson or, or Russell Wilson even are not good QBs. Because they're incredible. They are two of the best QBs in the NFL today. No doubt in my mind. They are two of the best QBs in the NFL right now. But they're not better than Patrick Mahomes. A thousand percent not better than Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, in terms of QB, is on another level. Russell Wilson's the only guy right now who I think she has a, a competition with him. And you can actually... Talk to me saying he's better than him. I listen to that argument. But besides him, nobody can. There's nobody who's touching Mahomes. Definitely not Lamar Jackson, not Deshaun Watson, not Drew Brees, not Tom Brady, not Aaron Rodgers. Uh, not anybody you can list is talking, is going to be in the conversation on Patrick Mahomes. He's just that level of good. That level of great. Any play you want to make on the field is going to make it. He is 1,000% the best QB in the NFL right now. And the best player in the NFL. Best QB in the NFL. 1,000% best QB in the NFL. He makes plays that no British will make, but he somehow makes them. From incredible arm angles, too. And that gives you a deep throw. He's changing his angles up over the middle of the field. He's changing underneath to kind of create angles on him to create kind of throwing lanes and he's just hitting guys perfectly in stride it's not like when he mixes the angles up it's just a little accuracy off he's just boom hitting them perfectly the best QB in the NFL right now the best player in the NFL on the other hand is ranked at number 3 on this list number 1 is Lamar Jackson on this list number 2 Russell Wilson number 4 Patrick Mahomes Number five, Michael Thomas. That's top five. Number three, who should be number one on this list by far, who is the best player in the NFL, without a doubt in my mind, there should be no doubt in anybody else's mind, Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald is the best player in the NFL. There is no doubt about that. There should be no doubt about that in anybody's mind. If you watch him, if you look at the analytics, if you look at the stats, if you look at the film, any whatever you do, that helps you determine who is a better player, who is the best player, how you rank players, whatever you do, that helps you determine that. Aaron Donald should come out at number one always. When you watch Aaron Donald, you go, oh my goodness. Who is that human being? Is that a human being even? He is strong as a bull. Even if you double team him, good luck moving him. He needs to anchor himself down and go, I'm not moving. Even if you would double team him. Obviously, he's going to get knocked out of the ball a couple of times, but he is tough to move. Tough. And then take into account that he is probably the best pass rusher in the NFL. Not edge rusher. Pass rusher. No matter who you put out there, edge rushers, interior, linemen, anybody. He is the best at it. Incredible hands. Incredible strength. Incredible get-off. Incredible athleticism. Incredible speed. He has it all, and he uses it all at an insanely high level. It doesn't matter if you, even if you do get hand down first, which, good luck, 
he's going to knock him away and move you out of the way. Or he can get skinny and slide past you. Or he can do a spin move. Or he can do a spin move. Any of the stuff he wants to do, he can and probably will do it to you. He is so athletic, it's not even fair. So, so athletic, and so, so strong, and so, so, so technically sound. He's not the guy where he is incredibly technically sound and incredibly skilled where you it's hard to even get a hand on because he's so quick and so can just knock your hands away or he's got just great moves overall. He's also not a guy where he's like, not, he's not just that kind of guy I'm saying. He's also not just a guy where he's just insane athletic. He's a guy where he's incredibly technically gifted and incredibly athletically gifted and he combines those two in an insanely high level and just dominates anybody you put in front of him. There is no player in the NFL right now better than Aaron Donald. 100% best player in the NFL. 100% best player in the NFL by far. 100%. Next up, we got to talk about uh, COVID and this mess that's going on in professional sports right now. Um, right now, we have the NBA, NHL, and MLB all happening simultaneously. Two of them, the NBA and the NHL, are in bubbles. And you have them playing in certain areas of the country, like you have the NBA down in Florida or in Disney World area. And I believe the NHL is in Canada, certain cities in Canada. The NBA, on the other hand, is uh, switching up their schedule so that the NL Central, I believe, only plays the AL Central. And the NL East plays the uh, AL East and the AL West plays the NL West. So it kind of... They don't have to travel as far, and they're kind of in contained environments somewhat. Not early, but somewhat. The NBA and NHL are doing perfectly fine with this. The other one incident with Lou Williams, where he left the uh, bubble to go to his, uh, up to his uncle's or his grandfather's funeral, and then went to a strip club to get wings, and then he had a quarantine, and he was mad because he just wanted wings, and he was like, no, you got a quarantine, and he was like, I just wanted some really good wings. But he quarantined for like 10 days. He's still quarantining for 10 days, I believe. But uh, that's the only incident the N- NBA has had, really. They had a couple other small ones, but nothing major at all besides the Lou Williams one. The NHL, nothing that I've heard of right now at all has happened in the NHL. But the MLB, they did not do the dub bubble. It's just the different schedule changes with the NAL Central playing the AL Central and so on and so forth. The MLB has done it a little bit differently. And they've encountered many, many more problems than the NBA and NHL have. The NHL hasn't had anything major. The NBA has only had a Luke Williams incident, which basically knocked down right away because they quarantined him for 10 days. Everybody days of quarantined him. The MLB has already encountered problems. They started playing uh, official baseball 20, uh, the 23rd, so eight days ago. Already, there has been multiple games canceled. The first of which was the Marlins game. Marlins versus, I can't remember who it was, but they got COVID. One of the couple players got positive for COVID. And that was a game being canceled. I believe they get the Phillies, or they, the game of fortune against the Phillies. They got in Philadelphia. Somewhere they got, somebody got COVID, and a game got canceled because of it. A series got canceled because of it. Not just a game, but an entire series got canceled because of the COVID uh, positive test. Fine. But I believe in the Baltimore series got canceled too. So like multiple series got canceled. It was like the Miami versus somebody series, and then Baltimore series got canceled too. Uh, all this stuff happened. I believe Miami may have been playing Baltimore, but anyways, later on, flash forward to literally today, as I'm recording this on Friday, uh, there's going to be a Milwaukee Brewers versus a St. Louis Cardinals game today at around 1 p.m. Central Time. Be 1:10 p.m. Central Time. Uh, I woke up this morning around at apparently around 8.30 a.m. News breaks. St. Louis Cardinals players, they didn't say who. Obviously, they didn't say who for the Marlins either. St. Louis Cardinals players test positive for COVID. Cancel the series between the Brewers. Cancel the game, at least. I'm guessing they cancel the series. If I haven't, I'm guessing they cancel the series at least, too. But for sure, cancel the game, at least tonight, against the Brewers. Probably going to possibly cancel the Twins games as well because St. Louis played the Twins the other day in Minnesota. Now, 
the reason I bring this up, the MLB, the NBA, the NHL, what's going on out there, is because the NFL is the last professional sports organization to... The MLS is, is quarantined, also bubbled also. The, N, the NFL is the last major sports organization in uh, the United States to not have started yet. And that's not because they're screwing things up right now or anything like that, but or either something major happened to them. It's just because, timing-wise, timing-wise, they start in September, they have preseason games in August, all this kind of stuff. But they're the next ones to start, and they're going to start in September as of now. As of now, their plans are still starting in September. They're not doing any preseason games. They're just doing regular season. That's all it is: regular season games. The NFL now has to make a decision, and I think it's—I think we all decision is going to be: they're not going to bubble. It's clearly not going to bubble. They've came to the agreement with players, so they're not basically not going to bubble. But it seems as they're not going to bubble anyways. There's not a decision to be made. I don't know why I said that. They're clearly not going to bubble. They're clearly probably going to do schedule changes and all this stuff. But as more as we get close to the season, there are players coming out who are just not going to play because of COVID. And I respect that decision one thousand percent. A lot of these guys got kids. A lot of these guys have family members who are uh, have immune system deficiencies. A lot of them have family members who have uh, suffered major illnesses in the past and, and are susceptible to these kind of illnesses. So I get it. Eddie Goldman is gone. Patrick Chung, gone. Dante Hightower, gone. Michael Pierce, gone. Devin Funches, gone. All these guys have opted out of the season because of the COVID. And I don't think it's just because of COVID. I think it's because the NFL really has no nothing in place saying what they're going to do. I mean, I'm guessing they have stuff in place, but they really have nothing figured out. And they had the entire late or entire late winter and spring and early summer to figure it out. But they really don't have a lot to say for themselves. They really have nothing going on currently. And I don't fit them the bubble because that's going to be a hard, 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 hard thing to do for a, a team. Say with 52 players, 53 players, excuse me, you probably got but you, you got positional coaches on your staff, you got trainers on your staff, you got uh, all these people on your staff, and that's at least probably like 100 people on one staff, one roster, one team, all combining to stay at one hotel. You're not going to be able to pull that off. Plus, you got 32 teams coming in. It's going to be an astronomical amount. You're going to need to do multiple cities, probably, the bare minimum. I'm not surprised that the NFL did not bubble, but when the NFL season starts, it's going to be an absolute mess. An absolute crap show. Somebody's going to get COVID, and they're not going to tell anybody, because, I mean, NFL players, when they had concussions and other things, obviously they still have concussions, but when the major... Brain damages are coming out, and the reports coming out saying how bad the brain damage is for you, and how many NFL players get brain damage, and all this stuff. And then before that, before they even came out, players wouldn't even tell coaches they were hurt. They wouldn't tell trainers that they were hurt. They would just ignore them and kind of sneak into the game because they want to play. It's because that's what football is. And I don't think it's going to be any different this year with COVID. I guarantee you, if say uh, a left guard who uh, it's a backup, and he has like a chance to play because of injury. Gets COVID, he's not gonna come up to coach and say, "Hey, coach, I got I got uh, COVID nineteen. I think I gotta go home." He's not gonna do that. He's gonna suck it up for a lack of better words. Not tell his coach. Probably not tell the players around him. Not gonna tell the trainer. Not gonna tell anybody. He's just gonna go. I got COVID, but I want to play because I need some. I need uh, to get these snaps in, or I want to play because I want to play. Could even just be a star player who wants to play. These guys are definitely going to hide the uh, fact that they have COVID, one thousand percent. And then it's going to spread, going to spread more, going to spread more because obviously you're going to you're in contact with guys who are literally inches away from your face before the snap even starts on the line, inches away. So you're going to get COVID no matter if somebody has it. It's going to get spread on the field instantaneously. Instantaneously. There's no way getting around it. 
and that's going to spread for more and more and more until somebody actually who gets test positive with COVID this blows up and they get blown out of the proportion not blown out of proportion but it's going to blow up and there'll be multiple players on multiple teams just positive for COVID and you're not going to be able to trace it back to who had it and it's going to be out of control within a matter of weeks it's going to be an absolute mess and I know the NFL is going to try to probably at least make people wear masks but it's going to be a mess no matter what the only way this really works is a bubble and even right now and Right now, the NFL can't do a bubble because it's so big. The bubble is it's just not going to work for the NFL unless they go multiple cities and put NFL teams like in, by division or by uh, have the NFC West play the AFC West and do a thing LB did, but put them in bubble areas, which I don't think they're going to be able to pull off because one, there's a lot of people moving a lot of places and a lot moving away from their families, and two, it's a little too late for that. I mean, it's July 31st right now. The NFL probably would have had to schedule that out way in advance to make things work. And it's going to be a really, really, really messy season for the NFL and whatever they try to pull off. Even if they try to pull off a last-second bubble, they try to pull off something different that we haven't seen before. They try to pull off a multiple city bubble. It's going to be a messy season for the NFL. Especially when this COVID comes out and when NFL players get COVID. Because they're bringing it back to the MLB. Games are getting canceled because of this. Games are getting postponed. Nobody can kind of do this for now. They can't do it forever because there's not going to be enough games to do it. There's not going to be enough time to pull it in. Games are getting changed from double headers from like nine innings to double headers out of seven innings each. And you can't, but the NBA can't keep doing this because time can catch up to them eventually. They can do it for now because they got. All the season to go. They only pick a weekend in the season. They're eighth day of the season. They can do this for now. They can push it off for now. They can push it back and keep going. Because they have time. They shouldn't do that. At all. It's not going to work. But for now they're just kind of letting the inevitable. But at least they can do it. Keep the season going. But the NFL you can't do that. You got 16 games. And that's it. And you can't push it back any farther really. What are you going to have two games in one week? It's going to be insane. People, players are going to get hurt on an incredible high level. And players aren't even going to go for that. They're going to 1,000% push back on that. In order for the NFL to do go, to figure something out, I, I mean, I don't know what they have to do. They're not going to be able to cancel games because it's just not going to feasibly work with the players. No matter what happens with the NFL... Season being canceled, season being cut short, which I think is a likely likely thing that's going to happen. Season being stopped early because of so many COVID tests going positive. It's going to be an interesting season no matter what. That's it for the podcast, guys. Thank you for listening. So we ended it on a dreary note. That's my bad. But thank you for listening to the podcast. Uh, follow the podcast Twitter account at the Aired Up Pod on Twitter. And then follow my personal account at LucasShoe2. That's all, guys. Thanks for listening.